This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. That's right. How are you guys feeling? My Beat Sorcerers, everybody out there. As you know, this podcast is brought to you by Beat Source. Every week we've been doing this for you for the past 10, 11 months. It's been amazing. I love building this community. I love building with you guys. The shows, we've been getting people from all over the world. So this work from home thing has led to a lot of more reaching out and us talking to everyone around the world and getting more educated. I love it. Thank you guys for all the feedback and questions and comments. Make sure you hit me at DJ Spider on Instagram. It's probably the best place. Send me a DM and um, send me your edits, send me music, send me feedback. And also, let's help this show grow. If you guys are supporters, help us support by rating it, reviewing on Apple Podcasts and on all the different networks, YouTube, and just share it with people. That would be great. So we want to tell you, as I said, this show is brought to you by BeatSource, and BeatSource is constantly making moves week after week. We've got the 20 playlist, which every week is updated uh, with 20 new tracks for open format DJs, all genres, all heat, all good stuff. Um, And of course, on BeatSource, the curators are working every single day to keep those playlists updated with the genres and everything. BeatSource link is now in effect. The beta is out on Serato, so go pick that up if you want. You can try BeatSource link out in the beta version. In October, it will be fully launched, but you'll be able to DJ from the cloud. You can even use... um, Sound is, which is a website where you can take uh, playlists you've created on Spotify or any other service and transfer it over to BeatSource easily. And then we can share them. I can be like, yo, peep this playlist I just made for my streams. I can share it with you guys. It really is the future. It really is dope. And I really need you to check it out. So go to BeatSource.com. You're not going to regret it. It is super dope. And yo, thank you guys again. I, I thanked you earlier, but thank you guys for rocking with me. Um, hit me with some suggestions too. If you guys got suggestions of who you want on the show, some topics you want. I've had people hitting me saying, oh, we want to hear about these kind of DJs, this kind of regions, streaming, live, you know, all that. It really helps. Um, so we appreciate it. Um, I, uh, I've been working on my Twitch stream. It's coming soon. Hit me, twitch.tv slash DJ Spider. Um, I'm going to have some streams coming soon. I've been working on music. I got a lot of things coming out soon. So uh, keep keep up with me at DJ Spider on Instagram and all the platforms. I've uh, been, you know, dealing with the times. And I said the other day, which people seem to relate to online, that um, I feel like it's 20 years ago. Life has gone back 20 years because... I was sitting there looking at the new Tony Hawk video game as I'm planning my streams from my bedroom and hearing a new song with MF Doom on it. So basically I said, life has gone back 20 years. I'm a bedroom DJ thinking about buying the new Tony Hawk video game. And I just heard a new song with MF Doom on it, which was a dope song. Um, So it's 2020. feels like the year 2000. I don't know. We're all mixed up here. How do you guys feel? Let me know what's happening out there. Um, And now on to the official show. We've got a really dope guest for you guys today. It's someone that 
um, I think is a super dope producer and DJ. He was born in Barcelona, Spain, but he's now living here in LA for the past four years or three years if you don't count 2020 as a year. Um, he has been nominated for a Latin Grammy. He's won an IDMA award. Um, he's worked with some of your favorite artists, some super dope artists like Sean Paul, Major Lazer, Conscious, Pitbull, Little John, and more. His streaming and Spotify numbers are in the millions, and his YouTube numbers are in the billions. That's right, B with a Billy. Um, he's got a huge YouTube presence, and so many of his songs are massive on there. Um, he's got a new song that is just signed on. It started out on DJ City Records and his own Barnatone Records, and now it has been signed to Mad Decent and is about to just boom go up it's already blowing up and it's only going to get bigger i feel like his numbers on that song are going to surpass all of his previous hits uh this guy's got residencies in las vegas and has toured all over the world been to countries that i've never even heard of he tells a story on this podcast and references a country that uh, embarrassingly enough i don't even know where it is um his and it's a, and it's a pretty amazing story the club he goes to um his song trumpets that he did with sean paul went number one in five countries and hit gold and platinum status and his song loca people went number one in 15 countries including the uk which makes him the first spanish dj in history to ever do that um, this guy, I found out from this podcast, is a great storyteller, and he gives us some really valuable insight into his process and his mind state on all of this, and he really drops some knowledge that I think everyone will be able to learn from and take something from, whether you're experienced or just coming up, and producers and DJs alike. I can't wait for you guys to hear this interview, and I can't wait for you guys to go check out his music if you have not already. So please, without further ado, please give it up for Sack Noel. We got Sack Noel on the 20 podcast today. Super excited. Welcome to the podcast. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well. I'm kind of bored. <laughs> we were talking about like, uh, you know, it's not really much to do besides making music, um, trying to prepare for when the wall uh, opens back, if it ever does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just stay positive, you know, make, make, um, uh, trying to have new hobbies. Um, uh, when I was a kid, I used to play video games and now I'm like, I'm playing video games again. Like, <laughs> what's I mean, that? Yeah, that might pay off. It's like you can, you can stream DJing on Twitch or just become a really good video game player and be no, famous. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> what game, what game are you playing the most right now? Uh, well, it's, I'm going to sound like, a real nerd. Well, I, I purchased the Final Fantasy VII remake back oh. in April. Okay. And I was like, damn, because <laughs> I played that when I was a kid, and I was like, this is my best and my favorite game, right? Yeah. So I wanted to play the remake, and I was so hooked that I, I actually bought the, the Nintendo Switch, and I bought the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, which is kind of like Final Fantasy. It's just like it's a it's a role playing game, and it's really immersive. And I also play wow. like normal people do. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, I had time to do this kind of stuff that I always wanted to do, like, and never had even time to. And actually, it's good because I don't spend uh, all the time thinking about music because that, that's what I would do normally when I'm at home. Like, yeah, my brain is just focused on music. Right. And right now is like 24 hours. It's not even healthy. It, wait, what did you say? It's not even healthy to be thinking of music. Oh, I know, but, I know. 
It's true. Yeah. And even before we would have like the social media and you would see what other people were doing. So even if you weren't thinking about music, then all of a sudden you're like, wait, should I be doing that? Or they're DJing here. And so, yeah, it is nice. Like everybody's taking the break and you can put in the work if you need to, but give yourself that mental and physical break. Yeah. Well, I think I really had the break already. It's like, I just want (laughs) to stop right now. Um, I know. I think, yeah, I, I should be playing in Vegas uh, soon because I have a show that's been being pushed, but eventually it's going to you know happen, and I'm looking forward to it because you know it's going to get me out of the house, and uh, it's uh, at uh, a really nice venue and with a lot of friends. So yeah, I think obviously with all the safety regulations and right, all that. Of course, yeah. I Where? Think, Where's that? Uh, the place is called Common- Commonwealth. Oh yeah, it's a great place. And uh, it's gonna be like an open open air, and you know, people's gonna have uh, it's gonna have a great time, and so 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 am I. Yeah, yeah. Commonwealth is perfect for this kind of stuff because it's like a rooftop. It's out. I wonder, are they doing shows at Commonwealth yet? I think so, uh, but they don't do like DJs because they cannot even advertise. At least that's what they sent me uh, lately. Right. Like, you know, the, the the reason why it had to be moved again is yeah. because they cannot promote any events right now but right. hey i mean at least you know the the machine is already running and you know these businesses that you know it's not like a lot of businesses need to to be going on because there's there's uh, it's a necessity right now i know i know and it's it's the same thing around the whole world i mean i i talked last week we had on sk83 in germany and he was just about to do his first show in six months on that Saturday, which he just did like two days ago um, uh, in Germany. He did a small festival that's all outside, I guess. And so things are slowly starting to come back. And I talked to someone in Czech Republic, and it seemed like he was doing little gigs. It seems like the smaller gigs are coming back. The bigger wheels are starting to turn for the planning, but it's still, it's so unpredictable, you know? Yeah, it's a difficult time to be a DJ. Like, well, it's always been difficult to be a DJ, but right now it's just the most challenging time at all. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you don't really lose your 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 passion, which I'm thinking not a lot of people will, you're going to be good because, you know, people will have this um, angst. They will have this necessity to go back and, and dance, you know, and have fun. And this profession that we all, we all love is going to go back. I mean, there's no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. It's because I've I've read some apocalyptic stuff that hey, there's nothing's gonna be back the way the way it was. And yeah, some things might not, but things that didn't make sense in the first place, like you know, having to be in the same office for like ten hours and you know doing nothing instead of being at home and actually being productive, that's gonna stay because it's it's a good idea. Yeah, but it's a good idea to have you know virtual you know, stuff uh, like a race or whatever. I mean, it's good for like a side thing or or you know to to complement the real stuff, but the real stuff. It's always going to be there because, I mean, we're still humans, right? Are we? Aren't we? It's so true. I mean, that's the thing is that everyone likes to, I mean, this show has for six months now has been predicting the future of like, what's going to happen? When are we going to be back? But I think you're right. There's one universal thing is that we're all humans. We're all social. We all want to be back in public. And we have learned that we love the, the virtual thing and we can do it and we're learning a lot and it's really cool. But once... We have this. We're safely allowed to be all back together. It's going to be all go all out craziness, you know. Like yeah. people are ready for it. 
Well, I think it's going to be like less dramatic. Like it's going to like take a lot of time to adjust because in my brain back in April, it was like, yeah, this is going to be like an explosion when things open back, back up. But no, it's like, it's going to be slowly. You will even not notice it. Like it's going to be like so slow. Yeah. Even, even I think, I mean, I don't like to predict because I'm bad at this, but I think like when people are allowed to go back, some of them might still be some, a, bit, a bit scared. So it's not going to be like everyone at the same time, which would be like even worse. But I think, I think, you know, yeah, you have a good point. I think that you're right. It will be. I think the fear, the longer this goes on, the fear will get ingrained in people's mind no matter what. So that is a good point. And the fact that places are trying to come back and then the case and then people get sick and then they have to go up and down. So it's not so simple. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I guess the, the, the positive thing is that in the meantime, there's people like you have had like success in the music world, even by just staying at home. I mean, you, you put out a song, uh, Tokame, right. That, yeah is doing great and just keeps growing. And I feel like by the end of this year is going to be even bigger, you know? Yeah, it's, it's been a blessing. Timing wise, it couldn't have been better. Uh, yeah. Because, <laughs> um, I'm still growing, even though I'm not playing and performing. But that song, like when, when, when we had it um, and we got this call from actually Edwin, uh, the, 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 he was the guy who called us like, hey, this is fire, what's that? That's and crazy. That so we knew we have something special, right? Yeah. And we've seen the progression of the song, like how it started, like people requesting it. And I have some experience because I had some of the songs doing the same. So I could like see, oh, this is actually different. It's not like any other song that I put out. This is going to be good. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's doing really well. And the fact that the song is actually, uh, how to say that, it's self-sufficient in a way. You can listen to a song by yourself and not like, because sometimes I do like Latin, like super Latin music, like reggaeton and all that. Yeah. And for this kind of music, you need, you need to be dancing and, and having someone, you know, uh, like almost like lap dancing you. It doesn't go with the times. But this song you can enjoy by yourself with a drink in your hand. You don't have to be, you know, uh, in, in front of everyone. Uh, you just enjoy it by yourself. And I think that makes sense for the time being. That's true. And like for the people listening that don't know, you know, uh, all the characters involved or the backstory, Edwin, a.k.a. DJ Phenom, um, he's the president of DJ City, Beat Source, and he um, heard this record just on Saks um, Insta story one day, right? <laughs> and And you were just... I heard part of the story, but you were just playing sort of like a loop. You guys had taken uh, a beat from a remix that someone had made from one of your earlier songs, the trumpets, right? right? Yes, yes, and yes. taken the beat and then put this little guitar loop that you found on Splice or one of those sites, right? Put it over mm -hmm. it, played it on your Insta story and thought, okay, cool little loop, whatever. And then Edwin goes, oh, this is huge. We got to do something with it. And I just, that's such a... I feel like this song represents um, a lot because it shows how the DJ community can work together and trust each other and how everyone can play a different role because you thought, oh, I made this song, whatever. That's easy for me. But to Edwin, he's like, he heard it in a way that you didn't hear it, you know? And I think it's cool yeah. to have friends that that believe in you in that much and also um, want to push you to the next level and hear something you don't hear and just can work together, yeah. you know? You're 100% right. And it also humbles you because 
as a producer, you have an ego, right? I'm like, hey, whatever I do, I think that's going to work. Yeah. And I didn't think that was going to work. That was just an idea that we had with Salvi from a remix that Franklin did like for, for trumpets. I think it was uh, a trumpets remix that he did for, for fun, right? Yeah. And from all this chaos emerged that, but we didn't see it. It was Edwin who saw it first. It's like, hey, that means that as a producer, even though you have the skills, you, you sometimes need to listen to what people say because it's not all about you. It's not only your vision because your vision, I always say that your vision is very particular, but, but for, for you, like for your vision to be accepted by everyone else, it needs to be, it's, it needs to have some kind of like connection with all the people. And that's what the guitar did. And we didn't see in particular, obviously after like letting the song grow and everything, now we see it as well as other people. But at the time it wasn't that clear. Yeah, I know. That's so cool. And the other cool thing about it is, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you just put it out yourself, right? So you have your own record label. Um, and sorry if I'm saying things bad. It's called Barnatone or? Yeah, no, you okay. say it very well. Okay. And uh, so that's your record label. You guys ended up partnering up with DJ City Records, right? And th- is, this the fir- is this the first record DJ City has put out? No, right? Um, no, they just put out many records, but it's the first one we actually partnered. Right. Okay. That's what it was. The first one you guys partnered on, put it out just independently on DJ City, no big promotion, more like social media no. and word of mouth, right? And yeah, then, we spent like a, a thousand bucks on promotion, I think. Right. So, so pretty, pretty low. You know, <laughs> yeah. Not like huge billboards or paying for all this stuff. No. And then... It, the song just has organically grown. And and just to the testament, I remember the first time I heard it and I was like, what is this? You know, I feel like if if, if you say what is this to a song, that is a, such a good reaction, you know, right? Like if someone's just like, I need to know what this is, like that's a big yeah, 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 step no, in the right direction. Yeah, it's the beauty of music. I always say that to, to young producers and people, upcoming people, like because they get frustrated sometimes and I always say, you're just one song away. You're just one song away to make it. Like, literally, yeah. remember, like, me, the night before Tokame, and me, the day after Tokame, it changed completely. The outcome of the year, it's been changed completely just because we did something on a beat. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Music is that is so good that it actually in a matter of seconds you can you can have the biggest hit or you can just have another song you know what I mean so it's yeah. like playing lottery but the thing is that you you obviously control you have more control than luck but it's a great business to be in if you don't quit yeah if you don't quit and you just almost don't think so much and just work work more than you think right because like even i've been watching um disclosure and they have their stream on twitch now and they talked about their new record and they were like yeah we had i forget what they said but like 180 songs that we made for this album and we picked like 17 i'm like that's so crazy i mean they're just constantly working they have hundreds of songs to choose from and like you're saying, as a producer, you have an ego, like everything I make is so good and everyone should want to listen to it. But even someone like that disclosure that does so great, they have to pick through the right ones and, and they never know what's going to become a hit or not, or if it even will. No, you, you can, you cannot know that. I mean, that's the, that's the, also the beauty. Uh, you can have the biggest hit, but you can always have it without even knowing it, which makes it really like a dangerous, a dangerous thing. Cause you could be sitting on a bunch of hits, but if you pick the wrong one, it 
it's never gonna and that's that's the difference between like uh, a good producer and you know and someone that just make awesome beats like uh, when when the EDM exploded I remember a lot of like young kids started to make beats and stuff because it's affordable to have Ableton it's affordable to have Fruity Loops but um, as a label owner I get sent a lot of demos yeah. and sometimes they're, they're good ideas but they're buried um, in a lot of you know chaos and, and you need to be able to focus and actually uh, take those out and make them them viable and that's what makes a, a producer a producer right yeah and it, it shows that you need a team in a way you know and that like everybody wants to do everything themselves but it's good to have people around you um, that can hear things different and and just to show where the record's gone from there it it grew so much on dj city uh that mad decent has now um signed the record to their record label and are going to push it again on a second wave right yeah that's correct and uh the story to be fair it started with uh dylan francis uh he requested a bunch of songs from me because i posted the video on my instagram it's like i was playing Pokemon and other 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 songs and I sent him like the folder. Oh, okay. He's always been supportive of my music and the Mumbaton and Latin people in general, right? Yeah. So I sent him the folder. And next thing I know, after a couple of weeks or something, he plays a song uh, with Diplo uh, on the uh, Corona Night Fever. Yeah, the, I, uh, saw, I, wa- I saw it. Yeah. I think I videoed it and sent it to Edwin. I go, look, they're playing his song. <laughs> yeah, and the best thing was like Diplo, he was like, what, what, this? what is this? What is this? Uh, Dylan, what is, this is a good one, right? And at, the, at this point, he knew about it. Obviously, um, we had trumpets done with them, with Madison for the U.S. and, and Canada. Oh, but okay. this, time, this time, we actually uh, decided to go uh, uh, all in with them. And uh, we signed the song for the whole world uh, on Madison, just, just because it's easier also to have just one partner uh, controlling everything. And, you know, the good thing about Madison is that they understand the business the same way we do. And they're like kind of normal people. Like the, you can talk to them, you can have a conversation. They they understand what this song is, what needs to be done, and it's a phenomenal label. So because I'm, I like to be independent and I don't partner with a lot of labels, I just did partnerships with DigiCity and my decent so far. That's the only thing um, that I'm comfortable with because you know the the people behind those brands, they know what they do. Yeah, for sure. And and. And also, you have the leverage and the ability to do that because you've been doing this for a long time. Those aren't like your only songs that people know. You've got tons of huge songs before that that you had been putting out yourself that that were worldwide known songs, you know, and you would tour on, right? Yeah. Actually, uh, this November is going to be 10 years uh, um, since I did Local People back in 2010. 10 years. That's the song that started everything for me. Yeah, I remember playing that in Vegas ten years ago. I'd be at Trist, you know, yeah. and, and that and that yeah. was the time. I mean, you you have good timing, is what I'm noticing. <laughs> you had <laughs> you were you were making those songs already in that time when that sound was getting big, and then the trumpet song around. The, you know, you, you've always been a little ahead, I think. And even the Tokame, is there so? What would you consider that? Like, is it a genre? I know it's almost, it's Latin and it's house, but like, is there anything more specific to it? No, that's a very good point. That's a very good, and I like that you say that because I, I try to uh, not predict. I don't like the word predict. It implies too many things. But I, I know, like, yeah. I like to be ahead. 
And yeah, when I saw, like, when I did trumpets, it was the beginning of the 100 BPM, Bergeton, and all the Latin, you know, um, yeah. that, that has been done since then. Right, because funny, tr- trumpets, I'm sure to you, is old, right? But all the, a lot of the sound is, sounds like that now, you know, that people are coming yeah, out with. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, with Tokame, because we were doing a lot of 100 BPMs too, right? Uh, yeah. 2017, 2018. But uh, I think it was midsummer last year, Sabi and I had this conversation. We were like, we're kind of bored of like doing 100 BPM and, and Mumbaton. I mean, never get bored of doing Mumbaton, but, you know, the concept of yeah. sound tempo. I it was it. kind of like it. getting a bit formula- formulaic. A bit, a bit not nonsensical. It's like uh-huh. I think we should go back to like 128, but with everything that we learned from doing Mumbaton. Yeah, and that's yes. that's when we started doing Prendelo and 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 Tokame, and it came naturally. And now I see uh, because everything started also to go 128 down in South America. In Colombia, there's the Guaracha. Yeah, that's 128, and that's taking over. The Davy song Baila Conmigo was taking over. Yes. Uh, so there were signs, right? That the, the, the industry, at least the dance industry, was moving towards like 128. Also, it's a more international sound because, you know, I always think about LA and Mexico or United States or, or, or you know, like Latin America. Yes. But there's Russia, there's China, there's yeah. Japan. There's a whole world that's not really caught up on, on Mumbaton. They just love 128 all dance music. And if you give them that new input with the old stuff, so... Tokam is like trumpets and local people had a son. That's Tokam. It is. Yes, exactly. It has. It's not. And it's funny because it's so simple, but it, it's not. Um, if you pay attention to the subtlety, it it is different. You know, it it's not just, oh, it's just a drum beat with the guitar. You know, it does have elements of both of those songs into it. Um, yeah, the, the bass line is pretty specific. Uh, yeah. We would have never used that bass line before. Because normally when you did 128 back or Latin House, it used to be like a linear baseline, very, very, um, very square and not a lot of moving parts. Uh, in this case, we actually took a baseline that's used for like uh, an other type of like reggaeton and all that, and we sped it up. Uh, and that's oh. the, 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 the feeling and the sensation that it gives to you is that, oh shit, I mean, like this is really like different because I've never heard of this before. It's the combination of an pre-existing things that but, but presentation different yeah and the way the juxtaposition in a way with the guitar being so on and then the bass line being that it just like you almost can't not dance like it makes you be like oh i'm dancing i can't stop myself you know it's like so no matter like you're saying people in moscow or you know rio de janeiro or la like probably are all gonna have the same human reaction to like the sound i feel like yeah, that's that's the objective, and it's difficult to accomplish that. But but when you do, it's always like, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand it. But it's not it's not easy when you're producing it. But no, but I think we all have the same deep down human humans have all all, all the same kind of like you know sense of rhythm because you know we have yeah. the same BPMs at the, the same heart. You know, yeah. some people more, some people less, but there's an average, right? So that's what makes the the, the one twenty eight perfect for that. Yeah, that's true. Um, and and speaking of like the the production and the simplicity, um, is that something? Is that something you think about consciously, or do you not try not to think about it? Because I do notice a lot of your pr- songs are simple, 
but in a good way, not like, oh, it's, you didn't do anything. It's like they have all the right elements that hit at the right place and it, it leaves room for either the vocals to come through or the guitar or people to dance. You know, like, is that on purpose? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when I was uh, a young kid back in Spain, I was studying uh, journalism, right? Okay. One of the things that they taught me there is that if you can say, if you can say, if you can write a headline with one word, it's better with than, than two words, right? It's the more specific, the better. And I learned how to synthesize, you know, words and, and paragraphs. And yeah, I kind of yeah. apply this with, with music as well, because I see that sometimes this is repetitive, this is redundant. You can, you, you can say the same with just this element alone, instead of having two elements, it's easier for the audience to pick it up. So uh, it's on purpose, but sometimes it can go wrong. Like I did songs that are too simple. Like right. I just, I just strip them too much, but, but you know, it's normal. I mean, when you, when you apply this, you have this risk. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's good to, to, I guess, put the simple, take the step back and let your friends or someone else hear it and then give you, you know, what they think. Rather well, than Friends are so important. Like people, people around you are yeah. so important because, I mean, sometimes like, I mean, I, I'm making music here at home and my wife comes like, what's this? Or oh, what's this? this is garbage. And that, <laughs> that makes you change. I mean, it's real. Like it makes you change what you're doing because I know. It's it's but but you have to trust the people like the inputs they give you because sometimes they yeah. they come from like they just hear it one time they like it or they don't because I've never seen like let's say Spotify one day comes with the option that the producer explains a song to you like you you can publish your song post it and then you have a minute to explain it like yeah I did this kick and I layered it with two drums and then I put the bass and then it makes sense but normally they just hear the song. They don't have the explanation. So yeah. you have to be fucking specific. Yeah. The day that they allow this, that's going to be fun. But now it's just, you, you need to trust what, whatever, whoever listens to, to the song and it's honest, you have to trust that. It's true. I would love that. I would love to be able to, you could click the like go in depth button and then they're like, <laughs> this is what I did. And then Jay-Z came in and told me to turn it off. <laughs> that would be a good feature. I would pay. I would pay to hear that. Um, I don't think many producers could say or explain it in one minute, though. No, I don't <laughs> think so either. <laughs> it's hard. Just you, because you know how to synthesize the <laughs> the words. Oh, well, yeah, but I have to be prepared <laughs> before. <laughs> um, well, that that's so cool. I love the story behind Tokame, and I love and and we gave a little bit of story about trumpets um but for the people that don't know trumpets was another huge song you had um that what did you just you just put out an instrumental right and then you ended up getting sean paul on it no we had the instrumental and then um we contacted uh sean paul for because that was our wish list it was sean paul and nobody else oh, okay <laughs> so and uh, at the time joseph fisher my partner uh, had yeah. the connection with him and he just okay. sent him the song and uh, they liked it and they just did it. And oh, uh, but, wow. but we got Sean Paul in the right time because he was about to do cheap trills and all that. It would have been more difficult just a year after, but uh, but you know it just came at the right at the right time. And uh, and I think he loves the song because he always plays it at his shows. Yeah, so, 
It, it's a good show song. I mean, it's just to be able to say, let the trumpets play and then have some trumpets go crazy. <laughs> that's good for yeah. anybody. If you're like a wrestler or a boxer or anything, you're like, yeah, it's very motivating. And, uh, yeah, it's like theme music. Yeah, it's so good. And it's a great DJ track. I have the instrumental and it's good just to be able to put acapellas or scratch over it or anything. Yeah, no, it's a good record. I remember um, hearing it on DJ City. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, what uh so so just to speak a little bit more on the production when you start a song let's say do you have a specific way that you start it um or is it always different no uh i used to have the way of starting it uh, with the uh, kick drum and bass line yeah which normally works if you don't have a specific idea but lately i've been finding myself having these crazy ideas where i'm like I'm triggered by a vocal and I have to download the vocal. Like sometimes I download stuff from YouTube or whatever. And I don't have, end up using it because there's copyright, right? Yeah. But that, that vocal is going to trigger uh, the beat for me. And then I'll put something that I own or I can do by myself. But I just think of random ideas. And I think this is because of the quarantine. Like the, the, the more time I have right now, it just my, my brain wanders more. Yeah. And I'm less influenced by the current state of affairs. Like, I don't, I don't play at the club anymore. So I just I just have ideas that I never had before because my brain has been de-intoxicated from uh, the club pressure. Like, hey, this needs to be done because it needs to make you dance. Right now, it just needs to be done because it needs to, you know, uh, make you like it or, or, or have fun with it. It doesn't need to make you dance, at least uh, in a club right now. Yeah, I like I like that. I mean, it's good for us to get in that mind state because you're right. It would be like, okay, I have a show Wednesday here and then Friday I'm in Chicago and then I go to, you know, Mexico City on Saturday. So like, I know I have to have, make this kind of song. And so at least now you can really just go inside of your brain deep and, and get out what you want. And then once you get back to shows, you can decide what fits where. Yeah, I started like hundreds of ideas. And uh, I mean, great. I'm going to go back to them eventually but i think i what you thought about disclosure i think that's what i'm doing right now i'm just like throwing ideas by myself sometimes with salvi sometimes with other people but just making them making them make like yeah a that's because, good um, it's the fun part like i, I love making ideas uh, what i don't like is finishing them <laughs> like any, any producer would say but you know what i mean i don't have the pressure so i'm just laying them down right now yeah that's good it's so hard to finish them that's one of the hardest hardest things i think for anyone yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's the cool thing about, I mean, I always talk about Twitch on this podcast lately, so sorry to the listeners, but that's been such a cool thing on Twitch, seeing Disclosure and other uh, producers work live on there and almost collaborate with the the um, chat and the audience, you know, and so they'll have the idea and the audience in a way is helping them finish it. They're like, you should do this, do that. And they're like, I don't like that. I do like that. And then by the end, you're like, wow. The whole crowd just made a song with disclosure and then sparked that's new insane. ideas. Yeah, that's uh, a fun part, man. Like, like it's, it's like having a party and, you know, having the time of your life. And then uh, you have to stay for, for the cleaning part. Like, yeah. you, have to, you have to, you know, put everything, you know, mix everything. Yes. And make it sound good. And sometimes it's just like, shit, I was having so much fun. I know. <laughs> have you ever <laughs> thought about streaming, like doing the, like while you're producing? Yeah, I could. I, I thought about it. That's why I, I, I think I told you off mic that I was getting a new place for doing this kind of stuff. 
Yeah. It's not already set up, but when when it will be, uh, I'll start doing this kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna be more familiar uh, or at least you know uh, yeah more familiar with the technicalities about it, and I'll I'll start doing it um, really really regularly because you know the problem is that with the live streams and all this is like there's a lot of preparation. Right. And I I mean I've been living in LA for like four years, right? But I still don't have like a big network here. Uh, of people that I had in Spain where I could go and do stuff and everything. So I, I'm still building that, that, that physical network where I can go and do stuff. So right. when it's ready, uh, I'll be able to do everything. Hopefully it will still be in quarantine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, oh my God. I think even if it is not quarantine, it would still be interesting to people. Yeah. Like, let's say you were like, all right, today I'm going to break down Tokame and then also answer questions from you guys. Uh, and yeah. even if okay. you're in your house, I think it would be cool because you should have a little camera on you, share the Ableton screen, and then teach people how it came about. And probably, you know, it could be a cool no, way. Yeah, and it's like, all about uh, having the habit of doing you, it. You could literally just bring up trumpets one day and say today we do trumpets and then people ask you questions you show oh, them yeah. you could, know could and like, one though because we lost the project <laughs> okay so don't do that you can remake it <laughs> that's what we did that's, you just one. be like okay i don't know, do my we mouth like, to, we have to redo trumpets because um, oh. that's a funny story uh so the thing is that uh savvy had the final project um he's gonna kill me but he exported it or something and and one plugin was missing or something, and and but the export was great, so we left it like that. Yeah. But then Champol sent back the vocals, and we we're like, okay, we need to finish it, right? And and but it, it we, we missed some plugins, and it wasn't sounding the same. So what I did is I I, I took the wave file of the whole song, yeah. and I put the vocals over it, but I need I need a bridge, uh, the part where where it says sound the trumpets. Yeah. I need yeah. a bridge to make the song like longer and make sense. And we're like, how are we going to make a bridge if we can't get inside the project and do it? Yeah. So we made a new one that sounds more or less similar. And we acue uh, it and we mastered it somehow in a way that it doesn't really stand out. But if you pay attention, the mix of this part and the rest of the song is way different. But, oh, you know, I've never thank noticed. God, <laughs> thank God it's a bridge, though. In, and not yeah. the main part. But yeah. Yeah, now, now we save and collect everything like every second. That's crazy. Oh, my God. See, people, this is what producers have to go through, and you don't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, how do you explain that to people like, hey, we have this, so we have the Champagne vocals, we have a great song, but hey, we didn't save the project. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> this is such a... <laughs> That's so crazy. That just proves you just have to do what you got to do. You're like, I'm, we're going to make this somehow. Thankfully, you did. I mean, that song has, what, hundreds, millions of plays on YouTube alone, right? Yeah, no, it went it went really well, um, and it was done also independently with Matt Dyson on the U.S. side, and then I had the other partners in different countries. It was kind of chaotic because you know we had the different releases for every country, but right. on, on the other hand, it helped the song a lot because you know you could you know oversee everything, and it's 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 good that sometimes you have something spread out in different hands. So if if one one is doing well, it can also impact the other partners, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I know, I mean, speaking of your YouTube and how it has so many plays on there, I noticed like you have a lot of subscribers and, and your YouTube seems like you've had it active for a long time and you've got tons of videos, tons of plays. Um, is that like, like we've been discussing how you've, um, promoted your tracks in like an unorthodox way, um, 
you know, like you don't partner with that many labels. Um, does that play a big part in it? Like your YouTube and your internal network of how you're getting, you're promoting your songs when they come out? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, my YouTube channel, sometimes I post stuff there or songs that will never go on Spotify, but on YouTube is uh, so, uh, how to say that? There's so many different people. That's a good uh, it's a good test for the song, right? If you right. leave it there and you see movement, it's because the song is really engaging in different markets. And I have like older people and younger people because YouTube has been around since 2006. Right. Right. So it had time to grow. And I think it's my favorite social media because people don't think YouTube is a social media. They think, I mean, but it's a social media essentially. And then, you know, you can watch everything, but you can also command, share, you know, do all this kind of stuff. And I love it. And it's one of these social media that really hasn't changed since the beginning. Yeah. And actually, every change change that's made, it's been for the better. Well, except for, you know, sometimes like they go too crazy on censorship. But hey, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, right. Yeah. Sometimes I go too crazy on my videos too. So hey, <laughs> who's fault with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, exactly. But, but you know what I mean? I love it. And um, and I think it's it's very consistent. And actually... A lot of people can actually make money independently on YouTube, and that's something that really, really is helpful. Yeah, that's so cool. That's what I was one. That's what I was going to ask you. Is it your favorite social media uh, platform? Which you said yes, and that um, since your audience is very international and very diverse, like you're saying, so um, I feel like you have fans all over the world when some people can be very regional and i feel like youtube is probably the best way to reach all of them at this point right yeah yeah i don't know why but like some countries like for example twitch is really big right now in the us right um yeah. but youtube it's it's big everywhere and if you see the numbers that's that, that's what now that i live here i also lean towards everything that's US, right? Hey, I, I, I watch the news and everything and, and my world ends at the border. Yeah. Because I'm here and I soak everything. But but actually, I mean, it's uh, there's an, a huge market that's bigger than the US market. You know, that's the whole world market. Exactly. Uh, the US market is the best market, but the bigger one is like, you know, the, the, the worldwide market. Yeah. So YouTube helps with that because, you know, the people from different countries that they don't, or not familiar with Twitch or the latest stuff, they go to YouTube and they are people as well. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, they it's a view. <laughs> yeah, a view, a view is a view <laughs> wherever you are, and YouTube makes it very accessible. You know, um, and and your fans, you know, love your love your page. So that's a that's a great way. You know, like a organic way to be able to get things out. And yeah. I think. Yeah, and DJs can like focus on that. Yeah, and um, it's less pressure too. Like Spotify, for some reason, got very. Uh, I mean, I don't like Spotify a lot because uh, it's it's a weird social media. Like, as, right. like for the people, it's good maybe, but for, as an artist, I like like you cannot have a channel that you can take care of. Like, it randomly selects the songs for you that are you know the best ones that. But maybe you would. I, I would love to have like a like yeah. A, like YouTube does, like my channel and my, my, my stuff, and it would be more engaging for, for the artists as well. It was so, I think it was meant for labels in the beginning. So, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But, you know, I think... I, I think you're right. Moving forward, I think that should be something they should look at. Yeah, I think, and I, and I feel like 
they won't. I mean, I don't know, but I, I, it seems like the trend they're going towards is making it even more t- for labels and making it more partnered with labels. And so if you're not part of that infrastructure or ecosystem, then you just get pushed down to the bottom. And it's, it's, yeah, you're right. There's not a very artist run or artist friendly one yet, I guess. Yeah. Um, but even, even as a user, like if I want to like go and support an artist, I only can see like the 10, the 10 most popular songs of, I mean, maybe I want to like hear something else and then when I don't want to have to scroll, right. Maybe he right. wants me to hear something. Yeah. And I don't find it. You know what I mean? I know. And, and they make it hard because once you get past those top five or top 10, then you're like, I'm in the album, but wait, is this new? Are they on this? And like, I, and I'm really good. This is what I do for a living, but I can't even figure out sometimes what I'm looking at and, all that stuff. So, yeah. you know what's going to solve this? Beat Source. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> so Hopefully. Plug. plug. Um, but no, I mean, Beat Source is built for the DJs, you know, which is why I think it's dope. But but I agree in, in the sense of that um, for you putting these songs out that, that YouTube, you have more control over and more access to the whole world. Because um, even Spotify and some other things aren't even in other countries. In every yeah. country, you know. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So um, we were, you know, discussing the worldwide and and everything like that. And um, another thing I noticed about your music is that you combine the all types of cultures and influences, but it seems like a lot of Latin and Caribbean kind of worlds together is that on purpose or is that something you've consciously tried to do or just came together naturally no it's natural i mean uh yeah my my uh my father is from uh, pakistan my mother is from spain oh so wow I can, okay uh, I, did, I did i did dna test and i'm 50 50 asian and european and when i was in europe obviously uh i was it was little and i was influenced a lot by you know the dutch djs like tiesto and all that Right. So my music was more like cold, more European, like mm-hmm. local people. It's, it's still Latin, but, you know, with more like, like leaning to, um, towards like uh, European stuff. But when I started traveling around the world, you know, due to like, you know, the international success and having gigs everywhere. Yeah. My uh, other 50%, the Asian 50% started to take over as well. And I started to make music more like, like the way I like it, you know, more danceable, more in, 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 uh, in according to the Latin music as well, because Asian music and Latin music ha- have a lot of things in common. And right. proof of that is like many times my songs go uh, first, like in, uh, like, for example, Tokame was number one in Turkey and now it's number one in Morocco. Oh, and those wow. are uh, like um, Arabic countries, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I have uh, part of that in my, in my, in my blood, right? So it makes sense. And, uh, but the song is a Latin song, but they like it, you know? And uh, it's kind of like, we have the same beats and the same, the same, uh, and the Caribbean, the Caribbean um, thing, I, it's because we did the song with Jean Paul. Yeah. And eventually I got hit up by everyone in Jamaica and I do a lot of stuff with, with Jamaicans and I love them. And uh, yeah, I recently did a song with uh, Charlie Black, uh, oh, like dope. a month ago, I did with uh, Beanie Man. I didn't come out this one. But, um, Another one with uh, Wayne Marshall, uh, who else? Conscience. I did a lot of stuff with with um, Jamaicans, and I mean their music is really, really good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, their music is very specific, 
and very universal at the same time. Like everyone loves it and it can make everyone feel good and dance and yeah, it sounds and, like their own. I think the Latin, Asian and Korean music, they have this thing in common that's the beat, right? I always yeah. say this, like the beat is not really something that you can culture it. Like for example, like, let's say you have a melody, right? You can write a melody in a thousand different ways. Yeah. And the melody yeah. that's relevant today might not be relevant tomorrow because of the way it's written. But the beat, it's a beat. It's good today. It's good tomorrow. It's good. To, it's good. It's going to be good every 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 day because it's in your inner self. It's because when humans started making music, they were, were they started by doing beats, not melodies. Yeah. And I think every music that has this implemented that gives more importance to the beats or the drums than the melodies, it's going to be a, a longer play. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. That's in- it's just crazy how everything is so interconnected. And now that we have the ability to c- talk to each other so much over the internet, um, we we can see it, you know, more. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, so I, I guess um, I want to know about like some of the DJ aspect uh, stuff of your career um, because that's huge as well. Um, so, you know, I usually talk about how DJing affects your production, which obviously it's done for you. But um, what was it like? D- did you start out as a DJ or did you start out as a producer? No, I started as a producer. Oh, okay. Uh, I started when I was like maybe 14, 15 years. Yeah, around that time. And, uh, and when that I was, was in Spain? In Spain, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. And uh, I was too young for <laughs> any club. So right. when I was 16, because in Spain, 16, you, you can go to clubs and drink. Well, I, wow. think, I don't think you can drink, but... That's well, crazy. I, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is that when I was 16 or 17, I had my first, uh, my first residency. I was playing in a club nearby my house. Oh, and, wow. Uh, couldn't even drive. Like, I, you know, I didn't have a car or license. Uh, but, you know, I was playing music. And that was when I started to get this feedback loop where I was feeling... Uh, of people and then putting in my mixes and and vice versa and uh, that started right there that's great and so um how did who were some of your influences coming up did you have any or was it just people you saw locally no no i had some influences i loved uh tiesto at the time van buren at the time all these dutch djs i love that that uh german group scooter oh yeah uh, I love the show because I was mind blowing at the time. Uh, I was like, what the, f-? you know what I mean? Like these guys are like doing it. And in Spain, we had some local stuff that, that actually it, it was kind of interesting. It never went out of the country because no internet, uh, at least very few, right. few people had it. Yeah. Uh, it was called Machina Music and it, it would run at 150 BPMs, 140 BPMs. It was kind of rave music, but with happy melodies, almost like oh. happy hardcore with but without the distortion uh, they put now. Uh, right. But it was idea. like very, very, very local. And we had something called La Ruta del Bacalao, which went from Barcelona to Valencia, like north um, east of Spain. And people, and we had these big ass venues uh, with people going there every weekend, a lot of, you know, drugs, people dying. <laughs> oh. they, obviously they closed it. But the culture that, 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 that this thing generated it was the uh, the culture that Spain still still feeds off. Uh, all these all these DJs like underground DJs from Spain they got started in that in that culture. Right. 
What, so what was it like when you were, and so, so you said you've lived here for four years. Mm-hmm. That's correct. So not very long. No, um, no, no. <laughs> what well, was, this year it doesn't count, right? So it's three years. Oh my God, this year doesn't count. No, <laughs> even though you're having a huge su- uh, year musically, so it Could might have had this year everywhere. <laughs> because kinda, I don't keep yeah. <laughs> um, well, what do you? I mean, do you like living here less or more? Or is it just different? No, I, I love it. I love it. I mean, business-wise, it's way better than Spain. You're right. Things that are better in Spain are the food. Uh, the lifestyle, yeah. the fact that you could go have drinks anytime. Now you can do, you can do that either right now. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the Spanish way of life is, you know, really good. But yeah, what happens with this kind of life is that you never get anything done. Not, right. not you, not not no one, because it's basically it's too good. Yeah. So <laughs> LA, LA has this thing that everything is so spread out that you have to actually when you have a meeting. Or when you used to have a meeting, you had to go there and make the meeting, like do yeah, the meeting, and right. pay attention because you know you you drove you drove for like an hour to get there. Yeah. So sure. uh, so and obviously the industry is here, um, and obviously also it's very well connected. Uh, the airport is much better than the Barcelona airport. <laughs> I can go, uh, or I used to go everywhere with just one flight, uh, whereas in Barcelona I had to do like two or three stops. Yeah. It was really complicated. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I love it here. And also the people are really um, driven, at least the people I hang out with. And that motivates me. Uh, you know, music business is great. Um, a lot of honest people too I found here. The people say music, music business is some kind of like uh, hell where a lot of dishonest people. Yeah, and, and I believe. Yeah. But in my case, I also have the luck that I, I surround myself with people that you know, are honest and, and like, like to be this way and do business fairly. Yeah, exactly. There's good and bad anywhere and in every business and every city. So uh, people like to generalize, I think, but, um, that's so cool. And so do you, what was it like when you were making, cause you had some huge songs too, like, uh, when you were living there and 10 years ago, what was it like, um, going on tour, uh, from those songs, did you were you touring Europe exclusively, or were you going all over the place? No, I was going all over the place, uh, all over the place, and it was chaos. Uh, <laughs> when I started touring, so you have to understand, like here in the U.S. or you know, there's some industry, right? So if if someone makes it, there's gonna be like managers and staff that's gonna be like, hey, let me do this for you, let me do that for you. Like nothing of this is 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 like this in Spain. When I made it, I made it, but nothing else came after, right? I had people from other countries hitting me up, but it wasn't viable. So I started touring with no real schedule. I was like going from place to place, from point point A to point B. Like I would say, like for example, I was playing in Dubai, and next next gig was in Vancouver. <laughs> wow! Go figure, right? Instead of you know, and the next one maybe like you know in India. So it doesn't really make any sense, and uh, it was really really. Messi, it made me hate touring. And actually, I think around 2012, 2013, I was like, I'm done with this. And uh, I didn't even post or anything because I, I knew myself that I would just do stuff. But I was like, I'm, I'm quitting this and I'm, I'm making music only. And that's when I started actually making a plan like, hey, what I want to do with my career? Like, I want to do this. I want to I wanna make this kind of music. I want to tour this way. And from that point on, everything was, you know, in place. But 
those first two years, 2011, 2012, were like pure chaos. I burned out like <laughs> immediately. Yeah, it's you. You got you can push yourself to the point of just not even remembering why you're doing it or even liking it. Yeah, half of those gigs I don't remember. Not because yeah. I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong in some of them, but I don't remember them because my brain just erased them. I know. That's so crazy. Just like that. What about, uh, I know it's putting you on the spot, but do you, can you remember from, from the things you can remember? Um, and it doesn't have to be from that time. Like any tour stories, like either the, the worst story of a night or the best story or just some kind of crazy night you had on tour? Do you remember anything like that? Or, Well, I can tell you the first time I, I, I saw it, I, I, I made it somehow. Yeah. Um, it was two weeks after I posted local people on YouTube, the video and everything. I got a, a, a messenger message on Facebook from a club in Albania, which is a country in the Balkans. Okay. And I was like, That's, that must be a joke, right? <laughs> because, you know, who, who from Albania is going to reach out to me for a song that I just put out to go play at their club? Right. Okay. So I didn't reply. And I think it was after like an, another week or something, they, they, they sent it again. I'm like, maybe they're serious. So I'm going to reply. I'm like, so what, what should I s- reply? Right. And my friend said, like, ask for like 500 euros or something like that. At the time, that was like, I never got paid 500 euros. Now it's <laughs> right. just it's like 500. They're going to say now 500 euros. You're crazy. And um, uh, they accepted, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they paid me the flights and everything. And I, there was me, uh, which I had no idea uh, about what the song was going to be, playing in a country that had no roads, but had the best clubs you could possibly imagine. I was like, what is this? Right? Really? But at this moment, I was like, wait a minute. If Maybe I should have asked for like more money <laughs> because <laughs> this club is really dope. I mean, there's people, like homeless people, like, like outside the club, and there's like destruction outside the club, but this club is really like something else. I don't know where the money comes from. I don't make these kind of questions right now because I'm in a different mindset. But I saw at that moment that, hey, I made it. I always remember that first one that I was like, shit. And then they took me to um, a radio station. That was my first interview ever that I had to do in English. Well, my English is bad, but imagine 10 years ago. Yeah, like, no, you're, do- you're great. Thank you, thank you, but uh, no, I'm really not. But the thing is that you know that that um, anecdote. I always tell it because it, it just it was so weird and so random. But it yeah, happened. no, that's it's amazing. I mean, it almost sounds like a dream, like a fake dream going on or something. Yeah, I was like, what the? <laughs> what yeah. is this? And it teaches you the lesson that all DJs need to learn, which is always ask for more money than you think. <laughs> well, I mean, at that time, it was like, for me, it was a lot of money because, you know. Oh, yeah. I would, I would get like 100 euros, 200 euros for, for a show. Right. Obviously, and uh, 500 seemed like something cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then when you get there, you're like, oh, I should have asked for more. This is crazy. No, but uh, you leave, you learn. Yeah. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly. Um, what about like, 
did you ever have any times where you felt like, oh, I'm like, well, kind of similar to what you just mentioned with giving up in 2012, where you just wanted to give up, but instead of giving up touring, like you were just done with everything. And then you kind of had a breakthrough that brought you back into it. Anything like that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at a lot of things, but there's one thing about me that that's, I'm very constant. I don't really quit. Like I, I can burn out and yeah. I may quit momentarily. That's why I didn't post anything. Because I right. know I'll be, I'll be going back. Yeah. But you know, I just I keep I keep doing. Like it's like I when I find something that I like, I just keep doing it until I cannot do it anymore. And I think with music and this kind of business, I just love it too much. And I can make music. Uh, I can tour. I can uh, run the business. I can uh, whatever. I mean, everything that involves uh, doing stuff, I love it. So I don't think I ever had a moment where I was like, no, nah, I'm just gonna quit and do whatever. Uh, or just leave off investments or something like that. I would never be able to do so because I'm, I'm too curious and I like to research. That that comes from my journalism side, right? I like to do research, I like to read articles, and then apply that knowledge to my 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 life. And uh, that's what I love. Yeah, that that's great. So and so, what keeps pushing you forward in this time? Do you have like a guiding light that, um, or is that just music as a whole, like just making it? No, I just I just love making music and see where it takes, where it takes me and where it takes the brand, where it takes the people around me. Like I just want to see. When I came to LA, I really didn't have a, a an idea what I was going to do. I yeah. just came here. Because I wanted to improve, I wanted to see where the, where the limits are. You know, just test myself. Because in Spain, as I said, the life was too good, was too comfortable. Uh, with less money, you could live like a, a king there. And uh, I, if I had stayed in Spain, I would have just done uh, like more music to pay the bills. Maybe you know what I mean. Or, or but it, this is not who I am, really. So that that scenario is kind of impossible. So I came here to just see what what what's next? You know what I mean? So I'm always, I'm always like that. Like what's next? What's next? What's next? That's my question. Yeah, I know. I think that's what drives all of us. Like you said, you can compare it to journalism or comedy or music. We're always just trying to discover new things, share with each other. And that's like what keeps you young in your mind with the music zone. I think. Um, Also learn, maybe it's just me because I'm dumb. But I just learned that it takes a lot of time for my brain to process stuff. Like <laughs> if I learn something, it's not going to be tomorrow that's going to be applicable to my life. It's going to take some time to adjust. You know what I mean? Like it's clear now that Tokame is a great song, but I explained that to two years ago, Sag Noah. He would have said, no, guys, it's not the direct. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I already had the tools to make that. It just—it's a matter of choices, right? And those choices come from come 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 from knowledge, and that knowledge needs time to settle. So, I, I admire people that just read something and already or, or find something and or you know what I mean. But just for me, it takes time. So I'm slow but steady. No, that that's a good point. It really does because people are like, you know that, but it, you know, I have a kid and it's the same. I see it. Like I can tell him the answer but he's not going to learn it until either it sinks in or he experiences it or makes a mistake and it's the same kind of thing you need to let that knowledge settle inside um have you is there things that you think you've learned from being off tour and being in quarantine or having to like deal with this situation that you think you might take 
in the future from now? Um, well, well, I learned how to uh, detach myself from uh, my uh, music. Yeah. Because, you know, when, when you're in the rush, uh, you take things too, too personally sometimes, like to, like, you know, uh, for example, the, I'm explaining myself bad, but like, I have this song, Talk Me, which is doing great. I could have, I, I could be doing like a thousand shows right now off that. Yeah. But I had to learn like, oh, it's not, it's not going to happen. Not because you're bad or something. It's just, it's impossible for the situation. So you have to accept that and take advantage of the situation if there's any advantage to be taken. Yeah. And that's what I learned. Like, hey, uh, some things are going to be out of your control. So you have to accept it. I mean, you can, you can lick your wounds uh, as much as you want. Like you say, oh, man, 2020, yeah, with this heat and everything I was going on, it would have been a great year. But then you think like, yeah, but there are people that, you know, they had, they had it even worse. Obviously, I'm being selfish right now. So, um, and obviously, you cannot compare yourself. But what I'm saying is that I learned how to accept the things as they go. I think that's a huge lesson that we're all learning during this time. And it's harder for some people than others, but that's good. Um, what about, um, um, what was I going to say? The, like, I, um, oh, oh, I was going to ask you about putting your sets together. Like, when you are DJing, whether you're doing a stream or going back out, do you have, like, a certain method or any advice to DJs that put together DJ sets? Um, do, do you have a certain way that you put your sets together or a certain music organization method? Yeah, I have like a different, different ways. Like sometimes like when I do improvisation, like I really like to do that, but it's not often that I can do that more in after parties and stuff like that. Yeah. I really have like, stuff prepared that I want to play, but no specific order, but I know these songs match really well. What I do beforehand is a lot of work doing like edits and uh, making them like remixes or even adding stuff to the songs that, because I want the set to be unique. I want the set to be just, if you, you, you only want to hear this in my set, uh, yeah. no, nowhere else, right? So there's a lot of preparation. And then when I have like more uh, pre-established sets where you have to be like, uh, in a festival or like that, I try to make them uh, tell a story. For example, I like to start, for example, let's say a 128. Then I slow it down for the for the second half a bit uh, to more reggaeton and momoton, then speed it up again and end up like maybe a 150, 160, like for the final. So it's like a, like a movie, right? You know, it's just started yeah. like the, the presentation, there's the, the, the conflict and the resolution, right? So yeah. I, I love to do that and, and take them to a to a journey, and um, but but also like do like random stuff like go to a club and just plug my USB and just go. I love that. Right. Yeah. I think. I mean, you're real storytellers. What I'm learning through this is that like all of your stuff is thought out, and and I think your journalism background really plays a, a role in like the way you do your music, your DJ sets, and everything because some DJs aren't thinking like that. And the way that you just um, compared it to a movie, I think is so cool because you're right. It can have, it starts out big and, and, and you don't know what's going to happen. And then it can be, Oh, this part's so fun and good. And then all those parts and the conflict and the resolution. And that's such a cool way to think about a DJ set. And I think people listening should learn from that because 
it's not just finding songs or the right key and there's so many different elements to it yeah no i love stories and uh, as you said it might be because i did journalism or because or maybe i did journalism because i love to tell stories and yeah it was one way but it wasn't glamorous and music was better <laughs> no i did music yeah uh, I, th- I think you're made for the music world <laughs> it's been proven um i mean i'm sure you can write very well too but um, well, <laughs> i don't know what um do you, so do you have any plans beyond um tokame are you working on a bunch of other music right now yeah yeah actually i had put out a lot of songs uh after after we released tokame and um yeah i did the one with charlie black i did the one with uh oh, yeah. Kashmir. oh uh, yeah we put down uh that was back in april and we shot that was the last video i shot uh it was in it was shot in mexico after adc um uh, we both were there and uh, the singer TX the way was there and we just did it and um i'm doing a song right now with alexander stan from romania which actually i'm gonna be shooting the video tomorrow here in la my part uh, nice <laughs> uh, <laughs> social distance and, video shoot yeah they put together a team so i'm just gonna i mean i hope i don't melt because it's gonna be hot oh um, <laughs> crazy but, you know. and um then what else i have uh well i can i can i, I don't know if i should say that maybe they're gonna kill me but Hey, uh, why not? Um, so, uh, you know, talk to me, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. we're going to have a version with uh, people on it. Oh, wow. He's going to do his uh, magic on the song. Well, he already did that. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but what, but it's it's really good. And we're, we're planning on shooting the video run right now. And uh, it's going to be on Mad Decent. So people on Mad Decent is going to be like something that nobody's seen before. Oh, yeah. A Pitbull song on Mad Decent. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's because uh, you know we have to try new stuff, and uh, as mainstream as he is, you know what I mean. He can really like do like because the version that the people are gonna hear, yeah, uh, it's not gonna be like the typical people song where he just does the verses and all that. Um, he actually made the song really way better than it is. It's gonna be like something different. It's a new pitbull uh, right there, uh, and it, it took a long time to figure it out because we wanted to take it to a new direction. But it finally came together and my Madison was like also like on board with that. And it's, it's a, like a kind of avenger situation. We have Madison, Barnaton, the city people, Sagnoel, Savi. It's like, it's a huge uh, assemble. And, um, yeah. That's so cool. I can't wait to hear it. I'm sure, I mean, that might, that, well, we'll see what happens, but that's going to be a huge song, I think, for Pitbull and you. I can already hear him on it. I think it's like a really good match. We always, I mean, after we did the song, he was like the same case as Sean Paul. We just had him in mind. Right. The good thing is that we had the direct, direct relationship with him, so it was easier. Uh, and he understands this kind of music. That's it's because, like, that's something I, I, I find myself uh, struggling with that there's not a lot of like A list singers that understand the 128. True. Like many yeah. of them started in the 2010s, but right now, like new new, yeah. new people that's, that's, you know, capable of delivering those, um, you know, that shows, you know, these, these people are real like artists because they actually can do like 100 BPM and tell a reggaeton artist to jump on a 128, I'll be lost. Yeah. With all the respect, you know what I mean? You're but right. People can, can do like, 128, 170, whatever you throw at him. And yeah. that's something like real stuff like that. That's something it needs to be uh, 
uh, needs to be uh, addressed somehow. Yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, Pitbull's the king of 128 rapping. You know what I mean? He was doing it over, remember, Avicii. And when all those songs were coming out, um, yeah. he he definitely knows how to do it. I mean, all of his stuff, even when it wasn't house music, he was rapping over that tempo. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This, this uh, street kind of like ability or something, it needs to be... Um, yeah. It needs to come back with new, new faces too because, I mean... The legends are legends, obviously, and they're, go they're always going to be there. But I also want to see new faces, or I want to send my songs to other people, uh, just just to give them a, a fresh cut. Yeah. Uh, but I don't find anyone that can be. Maybe if someone's watching and, and know someone, you know what I mean? Can yeah. let me know. But it's having a hard time finding it. I know. Well, I'm sure you'll find you'll you'll the more music you put out, you'll you'll match up with the right people. Um, I'm sure. Um, so what about, um, do you have advice for either up and coming DJs or just DJs that have been doing it that, um, are, I guess, going through this time or any advice on like consistency and, and making sure that their brand or their sound like gets through? Yeah. Consistency is key. Consistency is the key. Also okay. like having some talent as well. It's important. Obviously. That, that definitely helps a little bit. <laughs> but there's one important thing that, because I have the label and I, I get, I, I'm sent a lot of demos and I see this as a problem right now that it needs to be, maybe just me, but I think the way uh, some kids like send the demos to me, it's not, it's not uh, ideal. Like you cannot send an email like three pages long explaining everything about you or whatever, or, or the country, like just, just, um, attach an mp3 and with no information whatsoever yeah. you know what i mean yeah so yes. it has to be like it's i'm not going to say education just common sense just you know i'm like if i have to write an email in french i don't speak french so i'll find someone that does you know what i mean helps me out or writes the email for me mm -hmm. to make myself look good you know because at the end of the day um this is an industry it's not enough to be talented you not you need to put in the work and need to be a, a bit professional as an artist you you're not expected to be super professional like hey businessman this is my tie and my suitcase no you don't have to be like that but at least some kind of like common sense when you're 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 talking to people or it's important and it'll get you places because sometimes i pay more attention like i haven't heard the demos yet right so my emails that you know, that can can um you know uh get my attention are emails that are well presented uh, yeah. in the way that it's easy for me to understand or whatever the information is well placed not a lot of information just enough and uh you know that helps yeah i think people have a tendency to over explain the things when it's like look if i hear it i'm gonna know if it's good or not to me like right away yeah and also like I, i'm not a fan of social media i mean it's like a lot of it it's pointless to me yeah but but there, there has to be it has to be taken care of. Like you cannot have a profile with a neck or, you know, <laughs> like no pictures or, or whatever. Don't post a lot, but at least I want to see what's, what's, what's the brand about. You know what right. I mean? Unless you're just, you know, you're not, you're not planning on being an artist. You're just being playing even, but even if you're not planning on being an artist and being a producer, it's good to have some kind of brand. I mean, I'm not going to say spend the whole day like doing TikToks or dancing or what. that's not what you do, but, but you need some presentation and, and nowadays, the only way to get a proper presentation is social media. 
Yeah. And the nineties was a website, but that's obsolete, obviously. So, but you you gotta do something about that. Yeah, that's true. Did you did you get a lot of traction for your song on TikTok? Yeah, I know. I checked it. I mean, I, I I've had this moment where when the song is just born, where I check all social media, and I I, I can uh, recite the stats by memory. Right now, I'm not checking that often because my brain's past that. Yeah. Uh, but last time I checked, it had a good amount of you know people doing TikToks and dancing to it. And it's really great because I mean that the song is fun, but yeah. also learn like whatever goes on TikTok. Sometimes it's not really like it, you can have a hit on TikTok, like a hit song on TikTok, and not have any numbers on other other social media because it's not really a song. It's more a sound that's fifteen seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people go crazy about uh, TikTok and stuff, but but you have to also be like be reasonable. Hey, is this a song? Because if you have a song that works on works on TikTok and and, and on YouTube and Instagram. That's fantastic, but if you have an audio that works only on TikTok, that's not enough. Yeah, true. Yeah, you can't put all your eggs in the, just the one basket of social media. No, no. Don't make music for TikTok, please. No, <laughs> that that is bad. Um, well, man, you've told us so much. Um, what about um, if you could give yourself advice, like? 10 years ago or 15 years ago yourself that now that you know uh, from what you know now what would you tell yourself back then well i would tell myself to hire people that actually you know make myself a team because it took me so long to build my team uh, yeah. you know and be able to uh, surround myself with the right people yeah and i would say hey don't go with this person because it's just your friend does right. he know anything about music or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't try to be nice to people just because they're your friends. Obviously, I'm, I'm trying to be nice with everyone. But, you know, business-wise, pick the right partners because they have something to offer and they're also nice. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the, uh, that's the advice I would give myself because, you know, I paid a, a price for not doing this, you know? Uh, yeah. And it's kind of stuff that you, you have to do. Like, if you're doing business, you're doing business. That's it. Right. And do you have a team now? Like you have a manager and a booking agent and all that? Or are you doing it yourself? Manager? I don't really have a manager. I'm actually in discussions to have a manager because, oh. you know, um, actually last manager I had was back in Spain. But since I've moved here, I was getting so comfortable of doing everything by myself that I forgot. Yeah. Literally. Um, I was I was comfortable, and uh, but I, I, I've gotten to a point where I cannot do it anymore. I'm like, it's just, it's just too much volume. And um, booking agents, I have booking agents around the world that mm -hmm. work with me, and, but none, none of them are exclusive, I think. I may have some exclusivity in some countries, but I had this system where I was like, hey, in this country, I'm going to have this person and I'm not going to sign anything because I toured with them and their friends, and, um, but, but I'm going to keep my word. So if anyone from this country hits me up, I'm going to just refer that person to you, just make the deal, right? get your cut. And, uh, you know, and, and that's it. I mean, we could sign a contract, but uh, unless we're making millions of dollars, sometimes it's better, of, you know, having uh, people that you trust, you yes. know, and, and it's not, you know, I'm not going to sue. No, nobody's going to sue for that. So let's make it the way easier, the easier way as possible. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it's been great. Um, these, these booking agents that I have that became sometimes friends. Um, so they really look out for my interests, even though they don't really have to, like they just get the same amount of money every time. But, but we became so close that they actually root for me. Like, Hey, 
um, I love I love this guy because when we've been so through so much, I think you should book this uh, segment because of the whatever, and it it happens. Right, that's so cool, amazing. Yeah, I mean it, that's that's a testament to working with people that you do like and trust, and they can end up becoming your family, you know, and and have your best interests. Yeah, it's so great to be in a country where you actually go see that person again. Like, how's the family? Whatever. Remember that gig we did? Hey, whatever. You know what I mean? Obviously, they're professionals, and um, yeah. if there's something wrong, we can discuss it. But at the end of the day, that's that's a great that's a great way to because um, after like twelve hour flight or something like that, you want to see a familiar face. You don't want to see like uh, uh, like someone that you don't know and be stressed about that. I you want to see someone that you know, and then it's gonna take care of you. That's true. Um, what about, uh, you seem very focused that you had the Sean Paul collab you wanted, the Pitbull collab. Do you have any other collaborations that are dreams of yours that would, that might happen one day? Oh yeah. I think it's time I make more collaborations with DJs. Yeah. Uh, I would love to collaborate with Dylan Francis, not yeah. just because he's great because he's helped me a lot too. Uh, and I love I love his personality, like the way he is. Um, yeah, he's so cool. cool. Yeah, he's cool, and, funny. Yeah, I think that's overdue. Um, yeah, and I think who else would be great? Um, well, for example, like I think another one that uh, he might not even know that, but Timmy Trumpet. I would love to do something with Timmy Trumpet because I love his music. <laughs> it's very different from what I do, but I love it. Yeah, and uh, he's really good at that. It's the only one that makes EDM that I like. Kind of well, yeah. Kashmir, you know what I mean? But yeah. Kashmir is on a different level. Like he, uh, he's the godfather of that shit. Like, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know when when he came to me, <clears throat> asked me about the collaboration. He sent me an idea that was almost finished, and he said, "What could you do to that?" <laughs> oh wow! Kashmir asking me like, and you're like, I, uh, I don't know, man. Know just, do. <laughs> just put it out. <laughs> it's already good. What do you want me to do? Like, I'm just gonna mess it up, and. Besides, I'm going to use your samples to make it better. So what? <laughs> we, we have a problem. <laughs> so what uh, ended up happening? Did you? you oh, I, 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 it was very difficult not to use his samples uh, to make it better. So I, I had to like dig around and, and make it like I, I gave it more like a. I put more drums in it. Uh, made some some changes, but he did all the like the the main the main stuff is it, it came from him. So he was very generous actually. Wow, but he was happy with the end result. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he's a great guy, but he's a, like a, an excellent producer. Like, not just because he does the best EDM, uh, he also did lots of you know classic songs and you know stuff that's amazing and the sample packs and everything. Right. So yeah, I think I think um, these guys are holding the fort because other other than those two, like EDM is kind of like sometimes it's like reggaeton it's like right it needs new ideas at this point i know and now people don't even know what to do they're all just trying their own thing which hopefully will lead to cool things but yeah it's definitely in a weird place that type of music yeah it's music made for the club and relies a lot on on the melodies you know the big room and all that so it needs to be some kind of like you know and then what i like about Kashmir also is like he's um his, his, his fathers, I think, or his parents are from India, so he has this extra flavor. Oh that, yeah, that his music obviously uh, speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah, it does. So good, and he's been doing it forever. Yeah, one of the best in the game, and you could tell. Like, I've been to his studio, 
And uh, he, he uh, actually, I showed him Togame uh, with the people vocals on it. And he gave me some good inputs. Oh, nice. I should give him a producer grades. <laughs> yeah. He gets a little cut of it. <laughs> yeah. Good guy. That's so cool. So um, do you have any anything you want to say to the listeners out there or any other pieces of advice or thoughts, you know, for people right now before we get out of here? No, man, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk about that long and, you know, extended because sometimes many, many, many interviews, I cannot really explain myself. And uh, yeah, man, it's great to have this, this space. And you've been doing this for a long time. I, I know I've, I've watched some of them. Uh, and those are great, man. I always yeah. like, I was like, hey, when, when are they going to hit me up so I can talk? <laughs> <laughs> and you finally yeah. did. And, uh, oh, amazing. Thank like, you. Yeah, just, just everyone, just keep doing what you're doing. Be constant. That's my yeah. headline. Be constant. Be constant. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, that's what I, you're right. We've been doing this. We started in October. So it's been like 10 months, I think. And um, we're, I've just tried to hit that consistency, like you said, make sure we do it at least every week and then try to get really cool guests like you, uh, you know, and, and interesting people that we can all learn from and connect with. And I mean, I just have a great time, like just hearing your stories and learning this kind of stuff. I love it. And I know the listeners do too, and they really appreciate it. So yeah, Sack Noel, thank you so much for coming on the 20 podcast. And uh, hopefully we will hear that Pitbull version soon and all the other new music you got coming. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. Okay. Goodbye. Later. The 20 Podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.